Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you get in touch with us, guys. I am under the weather. I'm sure a lot of the country is. You hear my voice, so bear with me through the next hour, please. We will get through it together. Look, it doesn't hurt as bad as it sounds, we could say. that That's always a good thing. But we do have a lot to talk about today. We, we have a lot of stuff that is going on over the course of this week that, that as a football fan, you absolutely love. You love that you have Thursday games. You love you have three games on Saturday. You have games on Sunday, obviously. Sunday night, going into Monday. I mean, we really have four days of football. And as a football fan, you start to get excited about that. As a football fan, you get pumped up. Lots of time to watch football in between the shopping and the everything else, right? Lots of time to kind of get away and enjoy yourself watching. But as a sports better, it's a dangerous spot. It's a dangerous spot if you're not really careful. Because what happens is this. Sports bettors generally, they love action, right? I'm somebody that has always had a lot of control on my my personal website that I have out there. I play one or two plays a game uh, a, a day, and that's it. Uh, myself, personally, if I had my choice, I'd only play about five or six games a month. That's what I would do. I'm very dedicated to being able to compartmentalize and pull it back. But most sports bettors, they're not like that. I often tell the story of uh, my biggest complaints that I ever got on my website was always, I don't put up enough plays. And they're action junkies, right? I mean, it's people, you see them, how many games you got? Ah, hold on, I got 10, 12 games. So what happens is this, is that now that you have three games on Saturday, that takes it off of the Sunday card, and people want action, right? Just like on Thanksgiving, people want action on games that they probably wouldn't already have action on. People want action on games that they more than likely wouldn't have anything to deal with. So it gets into a dangerous spot because you're forcing action. You're also going to watch the game, and, and you're going to have a different outlook on the game. Um, You look at the totality of it, right? And what are we looking at? Oh, well, well, how does it break down? Well, the reality is this, guys, is that I say it all the time, and you have to be disciplined. 
if you would not have this on your regular Sunday card, then don't play it. I talked to you guys about that about Thursday night games. I don't play a lot of Thursday night games. And I don't play a lot of Monday night games either. So look at this in that format. Imagine all these games were on Sunday. Imagine every one of the games were on Sunday, Sunday afternoon games, and break it down like that. And I tell you guys this advice a lot, but it bears repeating here because we have three games on Saturday. We have three games on Saturday that I look at and I go, I'm not sure I like any of them. I'm not sure I want to bet a single one of them, right? I mean, they're all pretty rough. And I start to look at this and I go, people will force action. I started to look at it and say, hey, can I find something on a Saturday? Is there one of these games I could find? Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Why am I doing that? Right? I bet two games last week total in the NFL. I went 2-0. and I felt good about it. I didn't need more action. I went 2-0. and 2-0 is great. So don't make sure that you make sure you don't force it. You don't want to get into a position where you feel like you have to make plays that might not actually be there. So with that being said, let's jump into it. Seattle, San Francisco. This one opened up as Seattle as a one-point favorite. What happened over the weekend where Seattle went down losing. San Francisco turned around. They looked really good. Brock Purdy looked good again. Well, San Francisco's up to a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Will Kenneth Walker be in this game? We're not sure yet, and we don't know that about Debo Samuel, although it looks like Debo won't play in this one. The 49ers looked really good. The 49ers are an offense that looks like it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. The 49ers are an offense that it looks like it really, truly doesn't matter who the players are on the field. It just matters of the system, and that's the system that Shanahan wants. The 49ers, though, we can talk about the offense all you want. And Purdy looked good, right? I mean, uh, Brock Purdy was 7 of 8, 109 yards, two touchdowns, perfect passer rating. Oh, yeah, all that's great. And the 49ers have won six consecutive games. That's fantastic. 49ers, they are 2 and 3 on the road. And Seattle has had some problems as well. But Seattle's one of those teams that, look, they generally, no matter how you look at it, they generally have exceeded expectations this year. But we wonder, is this a spot where the defense is just too much? The defense of the Niners is just too much. The 49ers have not given up more than 17 points in a game since week seven. Patrick Mahomes went absolutely nuts, okay? But it is Brock Purdy's first start on the road. And it's in a true road test. You know, some of these road contests, I don't mean to disparage teams, but they're just not real. Seattle is a true road test. It's also a division game. So Brock Purdy has a little bit on his shoulders. Now, I will say this. Look, Seattle's not the same Seattle team that we've watched all year. They're averaging just 60 rushing yards per game over the last four weeks. They're 1-3 over that stretch. That's a problem. The 49ers defense, though, is going to carry the day. They've allowed 11 touchdown passes total. They have 14 interceptions. You're going to have to run the ball here, which means Kenneth Walker has to be a big part of this. Seahawks, they have 115 in the last 18 meetings. So Carroll knows how to beat Shanahan. And Pete Carroll, by the way, he is 16 and 9, or I'm sorry, 19 and 6 against the spread as a home underdog. I I looked at this game and I said, the whole world is going to be on San Francisco. And maybe rightfully so. It's always not always the contrarian situation that wins out. Maybe rightfully so, but it almost seems too easy on Thursday night. It is Seattle at home, and Seattle has looked good. If they can establish a running game, if Walker is back and he's healthy, 
and they're able to establish the running game, this is going to be one of those games, guys, that frustrates the public. Because San Francisco is counting on a lot of things. Brock Purdy has looked good. But he is going against a division opponent here. A division opponent in Pete Carroll that has a lot of coaching experience and a lot of success against Kyle Shanahan. A division opponent in this spot that is on the road. There's a lot to not like about San Francisco. Although it seems like it's generally the very, very obvious choice here. Well, I'd be very careful with Thursday night's game. All right, let's move to Saturday here. Minnesota, Indianapolis. Look, Minnesota's up to a five and a half or even a six point favorite. Yeah, right away. And I hate the I hate the term sharps, right? Because it's just people getting in on early action. Doesn't mean that they know anything more about anything than you do. Uh, but right away, there was a lot of money that came in on the Colts immediately. And it flipped this from the opening number of five and a half down to four and a half. And now it's steadily been increasing depending on where what books you're looking at. Look, Minnesota was fine last week, even in their loss. Minnesota had 425 yards passing, okay, but they turned it into only 23 points. Kirk Cousins against Detroit last week, 76% completion percentage. That's fantastic. He had a season-high 124.5 QBR. He had a season-high 425 yards passing. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. A season-high 10.37 yards per attempt. Season highs, guys. Then they lose the game. So he played well. Now, I will say this. Darisaw being out, he's been out for the past three games because of concussions. Um, and he's, That happened a little bit more than a week ago. Kirk Cousins under pressure has not been good. But in that game, he was. I mean, he really was. And they went out there and they lost that game. They lost that game despite the fact that the Vikings played really well offensively. Now, it's frustrating, but it gives you a lot of hope moving forward. It gives you a lot of, a lot to look at moving forward. So, you look at how the Vikings are losing. Look, each one of the quarterbacks that the Vikings have lost to in recent weeks have just been absolutely fantastic. I don't think that's going to be the case here, right? I, I just don't. The Colts had a bye week, okay, and they're going with Matt Ryan, but the reality is, is that Matt Ryan isn't the answer, and neither is Sam Ellinger, and they really haven't had an answer since Andrew Luck. They're on a three-game losing streak. Jeff Saturday's come in. He's made them look better, but they've lost three in a row. The Vikings are 6-1 and one against the spread uh, and straight up at home. The Colts, their problem is offense. They can play good defense, and maybe they will frustrate him. Look, Dalvin Cook was held to 23 rushing yards on 15 carries last week. Maybe they can frustrate Dalvin Cook, but it's the offense that's a problem with the Colts. They have no downfield attack. Matt Ryan doesn't try to push the ball downfield, and when he doesn't try to push the ball downfield, they all bottle up Jonathan Taylor when he is healthy. But the Colts are averaging 16 points per game this year. That's a problem. And, oh, by the way, they did beat the Chiefs. So that does kind of pop up as now more of a fluke than anything else. That was a fluky game. You can't really consider that what you expect out of the Colts moving forward. The Indianapolis Colts are a team that can bite you, though. Because if they could run the ball well with Jonathan Taylor, which we've seen glimpses of that over the last couple of weeks under Jeff Saturday, they are off of a bye week, okay? But how will a new interim coach use that bye week? Okay, but they are off of a bye week. And they are in a spot here where their defense can play well against a struggling Dalvin Cook. But Kirk Cousins was fantastic last week. He really was excellent last week. And the the 
this line would be so much different if they were able to turn those 420-some-odd yards into more than 23 points. They turn that into a win. You're going to see this line over a touchdown. So you have the Sharps thinking that there's some value on Indy. And I, I tend to agree with them, but I have my question marks. I have my question marks. Well, they're coming over bye week. Well, great. They also have an interim head coach. I don't know what that means. I don't know how he's going to go about it. Are, are they suddenly going to fix Matt Ryan to throw the ball downfield? Because they're going to have to open it up here. Uh, what about for the Vikings? Christian Darasa, is he going to be back? Is he going to be healthy? And can you win games consistently uh, in spots like this with no running game? Because Dalvin Cook has got to run better than he did last week. Let's talk about Cleveland and Baltimore. Cleveland is a three-point favorite. I know it's gone down to two and a half in some spots, but they're a three-point favorite. Well, this all is because we know. Look, Lamar Jackson may not be ready to go. And this line, sometimes the line tells us what we know, right? The line is telling us, look, Lamar Jackson's probably not going to go. That's what it's telling us. But not only that, they also lost Tyler Huntley to a concussion. Now, if you had had Huntley, who I've called mini Jacks, right? If you had Huntley in there, you feel okay with it. But it looks like it might be Anthony Brown, rookie Anthony Brown, to get the first start here. Now, the Ravens have won 24 of the last 29 meetings. Does that mean anything? Does that mean anything if you're starting a rookie? J.K. Dobbins looked a lot better last week. Does that mean anything if you're starting a rookie? This is a team that last week with Tyler Huntley, oh, by the way, went out there and they targeted Mark Andrews one time in the first half. I couldn't explain it. I, I don't understand it at all. So I'm questioning the play calling. I'm questioning the commitment to being able to push the ball downfield. I like Dobbins' back. I like the Dobbins-Edwards combination. I think we all do. I really like that Roquan Smith has really just become a Raven in a few short weeks. He really looks like the guy now, right? This Ravens defense is better than they've shown the entire year. And this is a Ravens team that is better than I think that we've seen. They have a nice record, but overall they're a better team. But here come the Browns now. A team that knows them well against a third-string quarterback. And it basically comes down to Deshaun Watson. Look, Deshaun Watson has been terrible in his first two starts. And they have been against, let's just be honest, weak defenses. Now here comes his first start at home. But this is also against a really good defense. The Baltimore Ravens defense should own the day. So while we talk about a third stringer in one respect, and in one end, I'm going to go, okay, third string quarterback Anthony Brown. I'm not sure if Deshaun Watson is playing any better than a third stringer right now. I'm not sure that you could turn around and look at Deshaun Watson as anything more than a backup or a backup to a backup right now with his play. He is missing guys. He is out of sync. And look, the guy hasn't played football competitively in 700 plus days. Going up against the first two opponents, we expected this. Well, now he's going up against his first real defense. So we just talked about can you win games basically without a quarterback? Can we? Can you win games in this league kind of just running the ball and playing keep away? Well, the Ravens are going to have to do that. But I think the Browns are going to have to do that also. Nick Chubb was weirdly held in check last week. Nick Chubb actually hasn't looked good for a few weeks now. The running game has now been become, well, we know what you're going to do. And everyone is just zeroing in on stopping the run. So this is going to be two running teams. 
Cold weather, bad game. I don't think that the quarterbacks are really going to make or break this game. It's going to be which defense is able to step up against the running attack of the other. How about Miami, Buffalo? Buffalo's up to a a 7.5-point favorite in some spots. And you look at this schedule, if you're a schedule guy, okay, and you look at outside interference and and what you're talking about, look, the Dolphins, whew, they are. The Dolphins have a serious problem with the schedule makers in the NFL. Okay, the Dolphins spent 10 days on the West Coast. They had back-to-back games in San Francisco and then Los Angeles. Then they get back to Miami, okay, and then they have to play Saturday night in Buffalo. So, short week after a 10-day road trip on the West Coast. It's a lot of travel. It's a lot of problems. Oh, by the way, supposed to be like 22 degrees in Buffalo. There might be some snow in Buffalo. It's December. It's December. What are we going to do, right? Um, it, it should be one of those games that should be billed as, no pun intended, as, okay, this is one of the best games of the season. I don't know if it's going to turn out that way. Miami looked real bad last time. We don't know the health of Tyreek Hill. I think the Tyreek Hill health is a major, major, major component. What Tyreek Hill does for this Dolphins offense is pretty extraordinary, Okay. So you might have snow. This game is on a short week. The Dolphins are tired. The Dolphins don't look too good. Tyreek Hill, oh, by the way, is out of the game. Maybe. We don't know. Tua was limping around. That could be a problem. Yeah, all of this could be a problem. And, oh, by the way, Miami actually beat this team. So this is a revenge spot. The Bills have won 14 of the last 19 against Miami. And Josh Allen, he's 4-0 with 10 touchdowns and 2 interceptions when he's at home against Miami. So there's some of that as well. Then we go to the cold weather. There is something about this. I know Chris Berman used to love to talk about this. The Dolphins have played 7 games where the temperature of the kickoff was 40 degrees or less. They've won 0. They've got 0-7. 0-7. And they've lost by almost 20 points average in those games. The Bills, they won five straight home games against the Dolphins. They've won two of those games by 35 and 18 points. They absolutely rule the day there. But here's the other side of it. Miami hasn't lost by more than six points in any game that two has played from start to finish yet. That's huge. Josh Allen also has not thrown for more than 250 yards since their overtime loss to the Vikings over a month ago. So I think it's a weird spot here, guys, where we're staring and starting to look at Josh Allen and say, can you get back to being the guy? We need you to be the man. We need you to step up and be the MVP that you've been for most of the last couple of years. And Josh Allen has been efficient. He gets a lot done with his legs. But last week, Stephon Diggs was was just absent. Isaiah McKenzie... Not even sure if he was on the field. And it's great. It's a great testament to um, Josh Allen that he's able to find other guys. It's a testament to Josh Allen that he's able to still score using his legs, using the flip out, using his tight end. Sure. But if you want to beat this Dolphins team, you're going to have to go downfield. And that means Stephon Diggs. That means Isaiah McKenzie. That means lots of big plays. And that's something that's been missing. Now you worry about snow showers. You worry about some rain. Some wintry mix. You worry about some wind. 
you got to go, can they push it downfield? I know that it'll hurt the Dolphins more than the Bills, but it is a concern. From a betting angle, guys, here's something uh, that was uncovered this week, and it's pretty good. Um, the Bills are averaging the second most first quarter points in the league. The Dolphins, they're allowing the fifth most first quarter points. So if you are a player that likes not necessarily player props, okay, but if you're a guy and a better that likes prop plays or angles or first half, hey, first quarter Buffalo Bills makes a ton of sense in this spot. And that's what you have to do. Look, if you want something and some kind of action on Saturday, you got to dig deep and you got to say, okay, well, maybe I don't like the Bills for the game. It's a lot, but well, you know what? How about Bills first quarter? Bills first quarter makes some sense, especially against this Miami team that might not get out of the blocks too early, might be a little tired out there. Yeah, this could be that spot for the first quarter if you're looking to be a little creative. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. I'm going to go get a drink, uh, soothe my throat. We'll be back right after this on Wagering Week. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? All right, guys. What are the odds? I have the updated odds from BetMGM to win the AFC. The Bills plus 175. Chiefs are plus 220. The Bengals are 5 to 1. The Ravens are 11 to 1. The Dolphins are 12 to 1. Everybody else is about 22 to 1 or more. And guys, the highest ticket percentage is coming in on the Chiefs at 16%. Highest handle is on the Chiefs at almost 19%. That is, what are the odds? I got to tell you, look, I mean, who else are you really including in this list? I know there's going to be guys out there that, that your favorite team was not included. But who's going to be included in this list? Look, it's Bills, Dolphins. I, I don't think anyone's taking the Jets or the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, right? Right now, you're hoping both gets into the playoffs. Mike White, an injured Mike White, not winning you the Super Bowl. And, and no offense, but Mac Jones is not doing that. I like the Patriots' defense, but let's be real. So they're out. Um, Ravens, Bengals, sure. Uh, Browns barely hanging on. They're, they're not a playoff team. And Pittsburgh, same, same thing, right? Even if Pickett was healthy, no, no, no. No way. So then you go to the Chiefs. Yeah, sure. The Chiefs are definitely there. But I do find people that, that are going to go, well, what about the Chargers? You know, uh, you can forget about the Raiders and the Broncos. What about the Chargers? Chargers have looked good. Have looked good. 
But the Chargers also have the worst rushing defense against since 1960. So I don't think you can really think that they're going to be a Super Bowl team. And then you go to the Titans. Look, the Titans are going to get a home game if they win this division, which it looks like they will. But they've shown a lot, a lot, a lot of holes. Swiss cheese giant holes in their team. Uh, so I think it, I think this is right. Look, Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Ravens, Dolphins. I, I the the Ravens are such a a weird one because you don't know what this team is going to be like when they're healthy. They haven't been healthy all year. The Dolphins completely have fallen out of favor. Everyone's in love with the Bengals right now. Um, I think it's I think it's Bills, Chiefs. I think that that's where we're at. All right, let's get right back into the games here. And now we move to Sunday. Moving on to the Sunday card, shorter card than we're used to, but still some good games. Saints-Falcons in a game where actually both still have a chance to win the South. The Saints come in as a four-point favorite over the Falcons. The Falcons are going to start Desmond Ritter. Uh, Mariota was put on the IR, so there's not even really competition about him looking over his shoulder. It's going to be his, and here we go, right? And you look at Atlanta, and and, and you say they, they have some weapons for him to work with. But this is the most run-heavy team in the league. They all run first, run second, run third. I mean, so Ritter's not going to be asked to do a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if he played, didn't play well here, though. I think that Ritter certainly can play well. Uh, you, you look at the Saints and on their side, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's going to be the guy again, right? I mean, the Saints are 3-4 and four at home. And Andy Dalton has nine touchdowns and two interceptions at home. So they still play better at home than you expect. The Saints are a good team in spots. Atlanta can be a dangerous team in spots. Is this the spot, right? The Saints have won eight of the ten meetings against these two. Take that for a grain of salt. That was Drew Brees. Uh, That was Matt Ryan for most of that. You you can't really sit back and say, okay, that's something to go on from here on out. Also different coaches as well. But the Saints, here's here's one of these these things where you go, can Desmond Ritter succeed here? The Saints have the fifth worst pressure rate in the NFL. So Ritter will not be pressured at a rate where it's going to be in his face. He's not going to be, let, let's say, taken back, uh, for lack of a better term here. Desmond Ritter should have some time to sit back in the pocket, find guys like Drake London, uh, Zacharias. Uh, he, can, he can find some decent receivers. But it's all in the run game. Atlanta, by the way, uh, you want to talk about Andy Dalton, right? Atlanta, by the way, dead last in pressure rate. They are the worst team in the league at pressure rate. So Andy Dalton is also going to have time to sit back in the pocket, find a clean pocket, and be able to kind of pinpoint his receivers. I I think Atlanta is going to overly use their play action, try to get Desmond Ritter in, in winning positions, but you can't get me to take a rookie quarterback, not in this spot, not not in this situation. Let's talk about Bears, Eagles. This one opened up as a seven-point spread. It's up to nine. No one has any faith in the Chicago Bears. And I'm here to tell you that I'm not necessarily all over Chicago, okay? But hold on a minute. Justin Fields has to make you hesitate to take the Eagles. He has to. Justin Fields, when he's healthy, is a difference maker that few are in this league. De- when Justin Fields has been healthy and on this team uh, completely, and it, it, he has been just a, a revelation specifically lately, right? Justin Fields, in his last four starts, 
They lost to Miami by three points. This is when Miami was rolling. Everybody loved them. Miami by three points. They lost by one point to Detroit. Now Detroit on fire, right? They're beating everybody. They lost to one. They were right in that game. They lost to three to Atlanta in a tough spot on the road. And then they lost to not by nine to Green Bay in a game that, let's, let's be honest, uh, they had a, a, a fourth quarter lead, right? I mean, they, they were winning that game. So Justin Fields and this offense is showing everybody that you can play really close if you're in the Chicago Bears. The Eagles, by the way, they're one and two against the spread when they're favored by seven or more. Um, Chicago, uh, they're going up against Jalen Hurts. He's got 32 touchdowns and only three interceptions. And the Bears' defense is their undoing, which you knew. Look, you knew the Bears were going to have defensive problems when they traded away the two best defensive players. Chicago's allowed 34 points per game over the last six games. Okay, so Eagles are going to score. But I think the Bears can keep this game close. Montgomery is looking good. Khalil Herbert might be back. Now they have Claypool in there. Komet has looked better. Mooney is, is I mean, he was doing really well. Now Claypool's going to step up and be that guy. But it's all on Justin Fields. And I think this is one of those showcase kind of games. The Bears are coming off of a bye week, by the way, as well. And I think this is one of those showcase kind of games for Justin Fields to say, okay, we see what you have in Jalen Hurts. I can become that. I can become that Jalen Hurts type of player if you give me the right offense, which it looks like he's finally getting that kind of right offense. We're going to see what kind of coach Eberflus is here. By the way, we talked about weather. Oh, by the way, uh, we were talking about weather in Buffalo, maybe some snow, maybe some wind. It's supposed to be into the teens for this game. I think that helps out the running quarterbacks more than anything else, right? I think that it helps them out and the scrambling and what they're going to be able to do. Okay, let's go to one of the more intriguing matchups of the weekend, and that's Detroit against the Jets. Jets are a small favorite. It opened up at Jets minus three. Like we all thought, the public ran to the Detroit Lions, who are red hot, and now it's about a one-point spread. Look, Mike White left the game. Uh, He's got rib problems. Then he went to the hospital afterwards. But we don't really know what's going on with Mike White. It looks like he's going to be the starter. If not, it'll be Joe Flacco or Zach Wilson, and they don't want to institute and put Zach Wilson back in there, which is a little bit weird. So I think we're leaning Mike White, but you can't really go into this game uh, not knowing the starter and, and make any kind of conscious effort. Now, the Jets are 7-3, and gets the spread over the last 10. And the Lions, they won three straight home games, but they were home games, right? So I think that there is a difference here. It's a difference when you're talking about who teams have played and how they get to that number. Jared Goff, home away splits are just huge. Okay, 20 touchdowns, three interceptions at home, two touchdowns, four interceptions on the road. That's pretty massive. Here comes Robert Sala and his fifth-ranked scoring defense. The Jets ranked top, top five in pass defense. Jets ranked top five in total defense. And, of course, top five in scoring defense, like I just said. Look, since week nine, Jared Goff has gone up against the Packers, Bears, Giants, Bills, Jaguars, and Vikings. None of them are an exceptional defense against the pass. I mean, the Bills are pretty decent, but none of them are in the top half in the NFL when you're talking about where where they really rank against the pass. The Jets rank sixth. Okay? That's something that you look at and you go, all right, maybe that's something that they can lean on. The Jets in the red zone, you look at the Jets in the red zone, Mike White, 9 of 22 with a touchdown, Joe Flacco, 
uh, 9 of 23, four touchdowns. Zach Wilson was 7 of 14, four touchdowns combined. Uh, that's 30th in the NFL. They are terrible in the red zone. Even Mike White, terrible in the red zone. But can the Lions defense do enough? Lions defenses look good. They look good, but I did mention against Minnesota, they gave up a ton of yards, but they kept them off the board. Against Jacksonville, they looked good. But this is also a Lions defense that are getting turnovers. They've now forced a turnover in 12 straight games. It's the longest active streak in the league. That's pretty good. But let's brush aside the Lions defense. It's all about the offense right now. Through the NFL season that we've had so far, the Lions are fifth in the NFL in points per game. Seventh in passing yards, 11th in rushing yards. First in red zone conversion rate. That's right. The Lions, NFL's best red zone offense. The Jets, third worst. So I think this is going to come in uh, all within the red zone, right? Who's inside the 20 and who can convert inside the 20? If the Jets can get it done, they can win this game. But they haven't really shown to get it done. Mike White's now injured. We don't know how the, the full extent of that injury and how much that's going to impact them. And then you look at the Lions, you go, can you do this thing away from home? You've looked really impressive at home in a controlled environment. Can you do this thing away from home? Carolina, Pittsburgh, Panthers are now getting some love. Panthers are now two and a half point favorites here. Pittsburgh, probably not going to have Kenny Pickett for this game. He's in concussion protocol. So it's most likely Mitch Trubinsky. Pickett started to look a little bit better. But look, this is really a case of TJ Watt coming back. Watt makes this team so much different. So much different. Now, you look at Sam Darnold. He's won two games in a row. But did he really do much out there. I think Sam Donald's fine. He's effective. But did he really do much? Look, Carolina scored 30 points. They passed for 105. <laughs> right? I mean, that's it. That, that's what they've done. But they're getting it done by winning this way. The Panthers have won three in the last four games. They actually would have won five in the last seven games if uh, you know the wide receiver, DJ Moore, didn't take his helmet off and negate an extra point against the Falcons, they, they would have won that game. They are legitimately doing a good job mixing and matching with Steve Wilkes. And it's their defense. You look at what their defense can be, and you have superstars. There. Brian Burns is a superstar. Jeremy Chin is a star. Louvu's a star. They have good defense, and they're winning with defense. And the Steelers are going, yeah, us too, right? So that happens. Now, the Steelers' defense, they, they know they're going to be run on here. That's what this team does. Foreman and Hubbard are going to run it all day. Well, they entered last week allowing only 4.1 yards per carry. That, that one of the best in the NFL, top five. But then Dobbins and Edwards went crazy last week. So what is the real Pittsburgh defense? They're 13th overall in adjusted run. Um, so I think that is, is a better defense than we saw last week. Mike Tomlin, by the way, is also 50-29 against the spread as an underdog. You know I've been on the Carolina Panthers, and I like what they're doing. But I worry about this dangerous Pittsburgh team in this spot. Jacksonville, Dallas, is a five-point spread. The world loves Dallas, and I get it. Jacksonville has had their problems. Jacksonville has got all kinds of issues. Jacksonville can't win. Jacksonville, the, Jacksonville's 15-50. and 15-50, and 50. yeah, that's not a mistake. Against the spread against the NFC uh, since 2007. Jacksonville gets non-divisional opponents of 52 and 100 against the spread. They are just absolutely just atrocious. I get it. But they're starting to turn that corner, right? 
Jacksonville's worst home loss this season was by only a touchdown to Houston. All of their other losses, they lost fourth quarter leads. That's a, that's something that you look at and you go, okay, there's growth there. The Jaguars are in the top 10 in rushing defense, and they just held Derrick Henry to two yards rushing and a couple of fumbles in the second half last week. Their defense is gelling, starting to get better. Trevor Lawrence is the key here. Since week nine, Trevor Lawrence looks like the guy. The guy we all thought he could be. Since week nine, Trevor Lawrence has a 91 passing grade. That's second best in the NFL. He's got 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's huge. 7.5 yards per attempt, top 10 in the NFL. 6.1 big-time throw rate, fifth best in the NFL. 84% adjusted completion percentage, second in the NFL. Third fastest time the ball's getting out of his hand in the NFL. Guys, he has turned into that quarterback. Now, Dallas, they have averaged 420 yards per game. Uh, They are crushing it offensively. Doug Peterson always seemed to have problems with the Cowboys. He's 4-7, and seven, uh, again, with them as the Eagles. Cowboys, we know what they're going to do. They're going to bring a good defense, and I'm not making too much about that Houston game where I think a lot of people are. They just kind of got caught off guard. Underdogs are 115-85 in Cowboys game since 2010. So we, we know underdogs play well, especially uh, you know in that Houston game. It's easy to overlook. But I do worry about this game if I'm a Dallas fan because... You can do some things against this very good defense, but you can do some things against them. And Jacksonville's rush defense has looked much better. And they're looking much better. That's a problem for Dallas. Talked about Houston. Houston, 14-point underdogs again. Here we go. Another huge, 14.5 in some spots. Huge underdogs against Kansas City. Damian Pierce has an ankle injury. We don't know if he's going to go. Brandon Cooks, we don't know if he's going to go. Nico Collins, we don't know if he's going to go. Derek Stingley Jr., we don't know if he's going to go. Here's the thing. I don't think it matters. Patrick Mahomes had one of his worst games that we can remember in recent memory. Three interceptions for Patrick Mahomes. That was awful. And that is a Patrick Mahomes that we're not used to seeing look awful in spots. They were up 27-0, okay? And then all of a sudden... Here you go. The Broncos come back, and and people are going, "Oh, wait a minute! The Chiefs are are vulnerable. This is not a this is not a good situation." At the end of the day, the Chiefs were still able to put up twenty seven points on the offensive side of the ball against a very good Denver defense. There are certain spots where you trust certain players, certain spots where certain players stand out, and they are the guy that you go, "I want to be able to put my money on." Patrick Mahomes bouncing back is that guy. Patrick Mahomes bouncing back should not be in question here. It's just, can he bounce back this much? Houston has made a habit this year of playing really close with teams that are better than them. Playing within the number to teams that are better than them. Philly's better than them. Dallas is better than them. Kansas City is certainly better than them. But can they play close again? As the year wears on, teams start to kind of get into that malaise. I think that it's a formula for them to get blown out all over the place. But we just haven't really seen it with the Houston Texans. As far as Patrick Mahomes goes, look, he had a bad game. I think that with the Kansas City Chiefs staring at Buffalo and saying, okay, we want that number one overall seed, and staring at Cincinnati, we want that number one overall seed. Patrick Mahomes coming off of a bad week. I think they're eyeing the future, but they cannot overlook Houston. I think that their bad performance, even in a win, their bad performance last week, 
makes them I right now instead of eyeing the future. With that said, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, to the, the future. future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. Bet to the future. Let's take a quick look at the MVP odds. We've been doing this consistently, but this is the first time we have an overtake. Jalen Hurts has overtaken Patrick Mahomes as the favorite to win the NFL MVP. Current odds. Current odds has Jalen Hurts as a minus 150 favorite. Patrick Mahomes is up to plus 175. The next highest is Joe Burrow coming in at 7-1. to one. That is bet to the future. All right, let's get right back to the games here. Patriots and Raiders. Look, Patriots just keep winning. I'm not telling you that it's, it's pretty. I'm not even telling you that it's going to be overall effective at the end of the year. Does it get them to the playoffs? I don't know. But they do just keep winning. There's a one-point spread for Vegas, which makes about a lot, about the sense that I thought that the public would go in on. The Patriots are winning, but they're just not impressing people. And they have that that thing behind them that people look at this team and they go, we don't know how they're winning, so we're going to continue to underrate them. I thought Monday night was the perfect example. This league is run, and it is dictated publicly, in the public perception, of people that just don't believe in running games and defense. Now, Stevenson being banged up, Harris being banged up, I get it. Mac Jones isn't really necessarily efficient. But the Patriots' defense is for real. Okay, they are absolutely for real. Now, they're dealing with a couple of injuries here, but they are absolutely for real. And that's why this line is where it is. Look, the Raiders are a disaster. Okay, the Raiders have one of the worst coaches in the league. The Raiders have blown these leads just in 2022 alone. They blew a 20-point lead to the Cardinals, 17-point leads to the Jaguars and Chiefs, and a 13-point lead to the Rams. That's just this year alone. Those are major blown leads. Josh McDaniels against Bill Belichick. I'm not sure if there's a greater advantage of, you know, coach against coach here. Belichick, I know he's on a short week. McDaniels has extra rest. Oh, sure. And McDaniels certainly has the better offense. Josh Jacobs is the best player offensively for either one of these teams. Devontae Adams, well, Devontae Adams is the best player for either one of these teams. Josh Jacobs comes in second. Derek Carr probably comes in third. Derek Carr, uh, you know, has had his problems this year. He's completing less than 40% of his passes in the red zone. So, uh, really, it, it only only Joe Flacco is worse, and we know how that goes. But it's this Patriots defense. You know, how much do you believe that a, a defense can put you on their back and win? And that's what you're asking. Look, if you're betting the Patriots in this spot, what you're asking for is you're asking for superior coaching and the defense to just be out of its mind. Because you're not going to get any kind of offensive boost. Not in a game like this. Not with your guys being injured. You're not going to get that boost. Mac Jones might play okay. He might play efficiently. Maybe Stevenson comes back or strong or Harris. And though know, they can do a couple of things. Maybe there's a couple of nice catches along the sidelines from an Aguilar or Henry. Or, uh, maybe you'll get a couple of things. What you're doing is you're just banking on the D. Now, Josh Jacobs seems to be the key. You you can't sit back and tell me that you feel comfortable with the Raiders offensive line against what Matt Judon and the, and the Patriots are bringing. But you can run the ball a little bit, and running the ball a little bit might be enough here. The Raiders are the better overall team, okay? On paper, give me the rosters. They're the better overall team. But one for one, 
the, the disparity in coaching is enormous. Even with the short rest, it's enormous. And the Patriots' defense are the best unit that is out there. They are the best unit out there. So I'm looking at this and I'm going, I think that the Patriots might be undervalued again. I thought they were on Monday night. I told you guys all I, I like them to win on Monday night. And here we go again. And you can tell me about the Kyler Murray stuff and while that impacted, whatever it might be, the Patriots are right in this thing. When we talked about the Patriots in the preseason, I said to you guys, I don't know if the Patriots are going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to make a push. They're going to make a push based on the idea that they have a good defense and they have a good head coach. And that's what we're looking at. Let's go into Chargers-Titans. This is one of the more interesting games of the weekend. Chargers are now up to a two-and-a-half point favorite over the Titans. We have two very different units, okay? And we'll get into both of these. The NFL's worst rushing defense, I mentioned this earlier, the Chargers, against the NFL's second-leading rusher in Derrick Henry, against the NFL's worst passing defense in the Titans, against the second-leading passer in Justin Herbert. I mean, that's what it is. Tennessee's run defense is really good. They have a pass-funnel team, which means they dare you to pass, they ask you to pass, and guess what? They're not good at defending the pass. Their secondary is one of the worst in the league. The Chargers, meanwhile... What can they do? They can throw the ball all over the field. Tennessee's pass defense is 31st in the NFL, and I'll give you the numbers, 284 yards per game, okay? Now here comes Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has the second most passing yards in the league. We just mentioned that, right? Justin Herbert, among quarterbacks in the first three seasons, first in completions, first in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns. He's doing incredible things, even though his record doesn't show it. Um... You you go out there and you go, Justin Herbert's actually 7-13 and 13 against the spread when he's a favorite by three or more. If this one gets to three, that comes into play. So even though this Tennessee defense, which has been really bad against the pass, and look, Tennessee hasn't even, on their three-game losing streak, they haven't even forced a turnover. You do have the idea that Justin Herbert's going to have a big day. But the Chargers are going to have to have some kind of success running the ball, which I don't know if they will. Is this Williams and Allen all day long? Can they flip it out to Eckler and have success? I think they're going to have some success. But I think the Titans have success also. We have mentioned this multiple times on the show, and it's worth repeating again. The Chargers' run defense is the worst in the league since 1960. I mean, we're talking about nearly five and a half yards per carry every time someone touches the ball. That is bad. That is not bad. That is pathetic. It obviously ranks dead last in the NFL this year. Now they're going up against Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry looked really good in the first half last week, and he was shut down, had some fumbles. He gained two yards rushing in the second half. And I've mentioned my concerns about Derrick Henry kind of slowing down as the season went on, and I've mentioned my my problems with Derrick Henry, but this is one of those, wow, Derrick Henry had a bad game. Derrick Henry feels like, and if you heard him converse, his conversations afterwards, feels like he gave that game away. Feels like it's Derrick Henry's fault. I think he has a massive, massive game. And I I know how good of a coach Mike Vrabel is. I think Mike Vrabel is going to play that up. I think he's going to absolutely feed Henry, and he is going to shove it down their throat. It is going to be Derrick Henry all day long. And even though he was shut out in the, first, in the second half, by the way, he had 120 first half yards. I mean, you know, he was running effectively early on. How about Tampa Bay, Cincinnati? This line's up to three and a half now. People are all over the Bengals. That's it. We we just talked about the Super Bowl numbers, about the AFC numbers. People are buying back into Cincinnati. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, I don't know if they're going to be here for this game. Both of them were knocked out last week. 
right? So that takes a little something away from the matchup, which could be. This is going to be Joe Burrow against Tom Brady for the first time. That's intriguing. And the Bucks look, they are 3-9-1 against the spread. They're the worst team in the league against the spread. The Bengals' defense, though, that's what we want to look at. The Bengals' defense has allowed less than 17 points the last three weeks against the Titans, Chiefs, and Browns. Titans, Chiefs, and Browns, 17 points. That's impressive. The Bengals' defense is becoming impressive. DJ Reader is back in the middle. That's impressive. But they're really impressive against teams like the Titans and Browns specifically that run the ball. DJ Reader helps the run game. Tampa Bay doesn't even try to run. I mean, they just don't. They don't even try to run. And they will stop the run. Look, in the last couple of weeks, T against Tyler Boyd banged up, obviously. Joe Mixon has missed time. I don't know how healthy the Cincinnati team is going to be. And it's on the Bucks defense to get them back into this thing. We also still have the Tom Brady effect. I know he's not as good as he once was, sure. I get that. But there is this Tom Brady effect. Tom Brady's 24-13 and 13 against the spread since 2003 as an underdog. Tom Brady's 10-2 and two against the spread as a home underdog. It doesn't happen often, but you just don't give Tommy Boy points, and you don't give him points more than a field goal at home. Let's talk Sunday night game. We just watched this one. Washington Giants. It feels like we just watched this one because we just did. Washington comes in as a four-point favorite. This is just the second time in 30 years that as a team has gotten to play two straight games against the same team. This means it's for preparation for the Washington Commanders. Washington is coming off of a bye week, okay? So two weeks ago, or even now three weeks ago, they had to prepare for the Giants. But they knew they were going to prepare for the Giants for a double dip. They got the bye week to look at the film against that exact same Giants team and tweak things that they thought they needed to do. Remember, that game wound up being a tie. The defense did their job in that game, just like we thought both defenses would do their job. The defense did their job, um, and the defenses have been doing a good job against the Giants recently. The Giants were off to a really good start. And this season, and we said, oh boy, you know what? The Giants look good. Oh, here we go. Uh, the Giants came crashing down. The Giants right now, they've lost three of the last four weeks. The Giants' offense is averaging 20 points per game since they beat the Texans. That's bad. And it's not, not just that, right? Since week eight, the Giants have gone 1-4-1. Four, and one. Their only win came against that Texans team, and it was a one-score game against Houston. I know that that, that doesn't sound so crazy now uh, that we watched Houston play Dallas really well, but it's still a bad loss. I mean, it still just is. Now, the Giants, they have owned the series, okay? They've given uh, they've won 22 of the last 32 meetings. Ron Rivera's 4-7 off of a bye week, so he's not one of the better coaches with time. But you do have to look at this, and you have to think, the old adage is it's, it's really hard to beat a team twice in a season. No, it's not. No, it's not. The numbers say quite differently that you actually do beat a team twice in the season. And we have very rare situations. I just told you, just, uh, you know, this is only the second time in 30 years where it's a back-to-back game basically for Washington with a bye week in between to even prepare more. Everything is lining up for Washington here. Everything. Even the, the aspect of people getting healthy. Chase Young might play in this game. All of it lining up for Washington. New York has allowed an average of 426 yards over the last three weeks. Their defense is breaking down. Saquon Barkley is not running anywhere near he did early in the season. That's a problem. 
And now all of a sudden, you know, the Giants, they don't look like the team that their record shows. They look like the team that we thought they might be before the year began. With that being said, it's still a division rivalry game. With that being said, we just watched this game two weeks ago, and it was nip, nip and tuck, and these two teams were absolutely even. So do you want to lay four points in a spot where you have two absolutely even teams? Everything goes to Washington here. And I think Washington probably wins the game. But could anybody else out there see uh, 21-20? As far as the total goes, by the way, um, I, I had a big joke. I, I never do parlays. And I had uh, the under in a two-team under parlay. I won the first half, and I had to win the second half. And I said, oh, man, I had 40 and a half. I said, ah, here we go. It's over, right? I mean, it's over. Tie game, it's over. Goes into overtime. I wound up getting the win. Well, they haven't moved the total this week. Still 40 and a half. So, again, 2017 type of game. Yeah, that's kind of what they're expecting. They're expecting a low-scoring game. Low-scoring game, you kind of want to have those four points in your pocket. Green Bay, Rams, Monday Night Football. It's a touchdown. Some are going over a touchdown, but it's a touchdown game right now. Baker Mayfield's going to be back. Oh, here we go. Baker looked good. Baker had people excited. Baker had Sean McVay literally, like, jumping up and down. Baker Mayfield put some energy in this team. Baker won that game in remarkable fashion on Thursday night. They have all this time to get Baker Mayfield now reacclimated into the offense. He only had a couple of days. He had about two days. But let's be honest, he struggled most of that game. He struggled most of that game against the Raiders, who have generally the worst secondary in the NFL. The Packers, they are 2-3 and three against the spread uh, at home this year. What do we believe in the Packers? You know, the Packers are a team that uh, the season's getting away from them. They don't have anything left to play for, really. But they are at home. And it is Aaron Rodgers. And it is prime time. Aaron Rodgers, since 2009, is 125-87 and 87 against the spread. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just covers numbers. That's what he's done. But in December... The Packers since 2000, 38-22 in December home games. The guy not only covers numbers, he just doesn't lose. Aaron Rodgers does not lose in Green Bay in December. Me, my, my friend Rob Mish, uh, you know, who, who uh, writes for the Chicago uh, Sun-Times and a bunch of other newspapers around the country, we always, we always kind of chuckle about that because I hate Aaron Rodgers, but I make a fortune on him in December, especially at home. I don't think the Rams have a chance to win this game. I like the idea that Baker put a little enthusiasm back into them. I like the idea that it's a fun team now. Uh, all of a sudden, they're the underdogs. Uh, I like the idea that, um, yes, maybe they are getting a little bit healthy. and Maybe they found a running game. I'm okay with all that. Okay, that's good. But the reality here, guys, is that the Rams are outmatched. The Packers should run all over them. The Packers will win the game. But who are the Packers to be laying more than a touchdown against anybody in any spot? anywhere. I don't care whether that's Lambeau. How can you lay a touchdown with this team after what you've watched this year? And you have to think about the demoralized nature that the Packers are in. What, what kind of headspace demoralized are they in? They were supposed to not only, look, this is not only a team that was supposed to make the playoffs. Not only were they supposed to walk away with their division hands down. They were supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. This was going to be a Super Bowl NFC championship preview. Both of these teams have to be hanging their head. Both of these teams have to be hanging their head down. Look, if this was on my Sunday card, and this is what we talked about at the beginning of the show, if this game was on my Sunday card uh, just in the middle of the afternoon, there's no chance I'd go anywhere near it. I think the Packers win. 
but there's no way I'm laying a touchdown or more with Green Bay. Not in this spot. No way. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. We made it through. We made it through together. I'm sorry for my voice. I'm going to go take a better care of myself over the next week, and we'll be back again next week. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.